0: Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. We are gathered in your name. We are gathered in his name. It is the name of Jesus. For some, they are being introduced today to Jesus. To others they are being presented today, Jesus. But you are the main thing. And we've already heard nine sermons about Jesus. We've heard about death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so we come today and we proclaim that it is your presence that will make a difference today that it is not human wisdom that we've come to hear. It is not intellect or any kind of ingenuity, but it is the presence of the Holy Spirit now today, God. We are all at different places. There are some who have longed to be in that water. There are some who come and they need to be reminded of who you are. God, would you Would you encourage the humble? But God, would you bring low the proud? God, would you speak to us? We are all at different places. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would divide yourself in such a way that you would speak to each one of us where we are at. And then when we leave this place, we would know it was you. It was you changing me. You speaking to me. Now God, we give you this time. We ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, let's give it up for what we just saw, amen. You may be seated, you may be seated. If you don't have a seat, I believe we have some seats in the back, if not, um, I believe that there might be some more seats being brought in. It's an honor to be before you, we do have some seats up here to the right-hand side, right here, or to to my right-hand side, we have some seats right up here. It is an honor to be here. For those of you that are here for your very first time and for others that are just, have been walking with us. Some of you know that we are in a series and the series is, we call it Take Your Next Step. And this has really been about growing in Christ and having Jesus build you up to be the man or woman of God that he's called you to be. And there is a term that we use when you become a follower of Christ, you become a disciple. You become a person that is now willing to see your life be changed and grow in his way and along his terms. And one of the things that we've been trying to deal with today is that people often feel that discipleship only happens when you have someone who is this grandiose teacher pulling you to a side and giving you all this great information to build you up and grow you up. A lot of that comes from what we see in the scriptures. We see Jesus with the 12. We see Paul with Timothy. And because we see that and we see in Matthew 28 where he says to those disciples, make disciples, we think discipleship is always when you have a grandiose teacher and people to listen to that teacher. But the thing that we lose and the mistake that we make is that discipleship is not a Christian term. Discipleship is actually a term used mostly in the ancient era. Aristotle had disciples. Plato had disciples. Socrates had disciples. If you were a teacher and there were people following you, you had disciples. Jesus is our teacher. And we are his disciples disciples. Therefore, discipleship is when we bring people under the teaching of Jesus Christ. No matter if you are a great and profound teacher, you don't have to be a dynamic teacher to help someone grow. You just have to bring them along under the teaching of Jesus Christ. He's the teacher and we are his disciples. And today though, as we talked about taking your next step last week, Rich did a great job of helping us understand that we grow in community, that if you're outside of community, you're gonna be hindered in your growth. But today, I do wanna talk about a unique step that a disciple will take. You see, even though I'm kind of taking us away from that one and 12 scenario, that Paul and Timothy scenario, there are people who will have that training like Paul and Timothy had. There will be people who will be like Jesus and the disciples. In other words, there are men and women of God who get called to a unique place of leadership and authority. Now, I wanna make clear, everybody has a level of influence and a level of leadership God is gonna give you. If you're a mom and you've got two kids, one kid, three kids, God has given you an influence and a platform and they might be little and small, but that is your influence and that is your leadership. Or you could be a judge or a lawyer, and you have that kind of influence and that kind of leadership. Everyone will have a level of influence and leadership. But there are a unique crew that God will give them authority. Would you say that with me? Authority. 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 Now, pastors, are given a divine and unique platform of God-given authority. And today, two men are stepping up and saying, I receive that authority. I welcome that authority to be called a pastor and shepherd God's flock. Now, some of you are going to have great platforms, because our church for the most part is young, many of us are trying to work their way into different positions. But we will not always be that way. Some of you will have great authority God's gonna give you. Some of you, your yes and your no is gonna be a big deal. And so even though I'm talking about pastoring, listen well. Listen well to the man or the woman of God that God will give them a voice in this culture on your job amongst your friends with an authoritative voice. Let me just, before I open up the scriptures, let me just say one other thing about great leaders. A great leader is a passionate leader. The word passion, it doesn't mean you wanna do something a lot. The word passion means to suffer. It means you believe in a cause so deeply that you will push past the results. That you will make it happen because you care. You care deeply. A great leader is passionate. They pound the table because something should happen. But a, a great leader is not only passionate, they're humble. And humility, I believe is defined in Romans 12 where the Bible says that as a leader, as a person of God, that we're not to think higher of ourselves than we ought to think, but think of ourselves with sober judgment. And so it's not that you're just passionate, but you're humble. You're able to look at yourself and know your flaws. But I, not to add to that verse, but I think what that verse is, the implication that is also saying, not to think of yourself lower than you ought to think of yourself, but you think of yourself accurately. And part of being a leader is yes, saying, oh, it's all about Jesus, it's not about me, but also part of a leader is saying, this is what God made me to do, and I'm gonna step up to do it because this is my unique design. Humility isn't just acting like you're not all that. Humility is being honest when you are all that. When this is, oh, this is is what I'm supposed to do. This is what God made me to do, and you're honest about that. So that's a word for some of y'all that just always do that. I don't know, Jesus, you do that all the time, stop that. Passion plus authority without humility is a tyrant. Oh, they, li- they-, they like telling people what to do. They like that. They like that feeling. Humility plus authority, no passion, people won't follow you. But you get a man or woman of God who has passion and they have humility. Humility and they have authority. You will see the Spirit of God do things through that man or woman, things that they could not imagine. And today I wanna to walk us through how to become that kind of man, how to become that kind of woman, that no matter the platform, you can lead as one with a clarified authority, the God-given authority. Now, I'm doing two things, I'm speaking to this crowd, but I am speaking to this brother right here, Richard Bowman, and this. (laughs) And this brother right here, Omar Fernandez. And so when I talk about this, know that there are some things that will be unique to a pastor, and not to all of us, but to pastors. It is said of Jesus in Mark chapter one, verse 22, that he taught as one with authority. And the Pharisees and the scribes were messed up because they saw the way that other people taught, but there was something about the way Jesus taught. That he felt, the word exousia there means he felt like he had the right to say it because God had given him the position. Something powerful when you feel like you put yourself, you networked and you put yourself in position, it's a whole nother thing when you feel God gave it to you. That God told you this is what you're supposed to do. Much different. You lead with brokenness. And and in the disciples, he said something very powerful to them in Matthew 18 and 18, maybe one of the most uh, misinterpreted scriptures. He says, He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He says, earth and heaven, and what he's saying is, you are my clarified voice on earth. And when you say something, you are giving people clarity about who I am. Now, to the disciples, that was a unique call, but the residue of that translates to pastors. People stop going to church because of pastors. People are still walking around in Flatbush and Park Slope and Crown Heights, unwilling to step into the doors because of pastors. And yet at the same time, that word pastor has also been with people in all types of courtrooms and hospitals, on birthdays and the birth and the deaths and the funerals of people. It is a very powerful thing when you are God's clarified voice in a hospital room, when you're his clarified voice, and when everyone is mourning, and you tell them of eternity, it is a very powerful thing. And these precious people, nine of them, that is a precious possession of God. And the pastor, the word pastor, actually comes from the idea of pasture shepherds of the flock, shepherds of the flock. And that is your unique call. God, the God of heaven and earth, has called you to be shepherds of the flock. Not James, not Bridge Church. God calls you. I'll fail you. I'll fail you. God won't fail you. I won't give you enough work. I'll give you too much work. I'll be your friend. I'll be your enemy. God. And if God has called you, and if God is for you, then who can be against you? So this is your day to tell the world, I told the world God called me. So know for certain that I am not his echo, but rather you heard for yourself, God has called me into the pastor. One of the things that both Rich and Omar can tell you is that part of their getting into the ministry has been doing a lot of menial tasks, doing a lot of unimportant things, whether it was when Omar was an intern and there were times where he was just running around getting us stuff or Rich Rich has, been, Rich has been over our website. Rich has, Rich has been hired and fired more than anybody else in this church. <laughs> and hadn't been paid a cent, so how do you hire somebody and not pay them? We'll figure that out. But <laughs> they've done so many different things. Right. And why has that happened? Why, why has it been part of their development? I'll tell you why. I just moved into a new apartment. Praise God, why don't we give a shout out to the yeah. Lord for that. And all the other apartments I've ever lived in, they've been walk-ups. And this one has an elevator. Talk about it, talk about. He's good, he's good, he's good, isn't he? And what's amazing is that on this elevator, um, I press, I'm on the fifth floor. I'm, I'm the brother on the fifth floor. I'm on the fifth floor. And so when I press five, I go straight up, I don't know what the stairs are like. (laughs) I don't even know. In other words, I used to only take the stairs, but now I get to go to my direct floor and I just walk to the right, right to 5E. You know, part of the problem with leaders, part of the problem with people that are skilled and gifted, they are so hungry to be elevated and they wanna go straight up. Yeah. They wanna say, I wanna be a leader, a do- I wanna be the man, I wanna be the woman, and they just wanna press a button and get there yes. and be elevated. But let me tell you something, there's something powerful when you take the steps. Yeah. See, I, I know I know what it's like to be on the first floor and nobody know my name. I remember Rich saying, you know, people aren't listening to me because my name's not pastor. I said, that's good. You got, that means you gotta influence them without a title. You see, it's good when you're a pastor before you're a pastor. It's good when you got a title before you're a title. It's good when you can lead people without having to have the name leader, because that's real influence. Oh, I know what the first floor is like. You you know when you take the steps, you get a little tired by the third floor? I know what it's like to be 30-some years old and have no influence and want more influence. I know when you get to the fourth floor, you got, I got one more, holy spirit, and you're just like, I need, I know what it's like to be tired and to know I got more to go. And I wanna encourage Omar, and I wanna encourage Rich. I intentionally made you take the steps. I intentionally made you take the steps. Because you can have a clarified voice when you tell someone, hey, I need you to go set up the children's ministry. I need you to go over here and help out with the parking lot. I need you to do the little things. They say, well, you're a pastor, you don't know, you no, 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 no. I took the steps. I know what it's like to do the small stuff. And people can hear in your voice the conviction of sacrifice. All right, that being said, look with me real quick. We're gonna look at several verses here. In 2 Timothy 3, I'm sorry, 2nd Timothy 3 verses 10 through 12. It kind of gives us these, this imagery of what you should look for in a leader when you're developing them, but things that you can aspire to in your own development as leaders. One of the things that Paul will encourage Timothy to be is teachable, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 12. Paul tells Timothy, you however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, Patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. And yet the Lord rescued me from them all. Now notice several things about this text. Paul says, you followed my teaching. But he didn't end there. There are nine attributes he says about himself, that he wanted to be replicated into Timothy. He says, you followed my teaching, but he said, you followed my way of life, my pattern of life. You also saw my purpose, my faith. In other words, you saw more than just the lessons. You saw my life. And what Paul wanted Timothy to mimic was not only his teaching, his words, but his life. And this is so important that he wanted to be, him to be teachable, holistically teachable. Because there's a key word. He says, you, however. Because the context of this text is Paul talking about leaders and teachers that have fallen away. Men and women that feel like they have arrived. Arrived that have become complacent in their desire to grow. And he says of these men and these women, this is what he says in the earlier part of this verse. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse seven, here's what the problem with those people that fell away. This is what he says, they're always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Look at the contrast, they're always learning, but they never seem to know the truth. What does this tell us? Church, this tells us that you can learn a massive amount of truths and not know the truth. You can be a learned individual and still be far from the truth. Then therefore, what is the truth? Paul is saying the truth of Jesus does not only come out in the way that you articulate who Jesus is, it comes out in your life, your purpose, your obedience. He says, you didn't follow the words, I say, you followed my lifestyle. And that is so important for our pastors here today, that they always be learning, not just the great communicators of the day, but they are humbling themselves to become better fathers. They're humbling themselves to become better husbands. That teaching is not just dictating words to people, but it is their lifestyle and their pattern of life. And what Paul is saying is I opened up my world to you so that you could see in and you could show others what the life of walking with Christ is like. Part of the problem with pastors today is they don't have enough mentors to show them the life. They don't have enough people to let them in to see more than just what they teach but to see their struggle. He says, you've seen my persecutions, you've seen what I've endured. But to be quite honest with you, we not only don't have enough pastors willing to tell the full story of their life, we don't have enough people who wanna listen, who wanna learn more than just something on a paper. But they wanna know what's it like to struggle, you and your wife? How do you guys push through? How did you endure in this season of your life? And just sit and listen. One of the things that I've been encouraged about these men is that They not only seek to get time with me as a pastor and ask me questions about sermon prep and systems and all these different things we do. They want to know what is it like to push through your fears? What's it like to be a man and lead? I want to know. I want to learn. Because I'm constantly growing means I'm constantly Learning, do not be like those men he spoke of, you in this audience. Always learning, always learning, but never arriving at the truth. Feel that warning, feel the weight of that warning. But even more so for our leaders, that you would always remain teachable and humble to the word of God. He says that this is not only an issue of being teachable. Paul will say something else in Philippians chapter two, verse 22. He says, you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Paul says, about Timothy, he keeps using this word, he's a son. If you look in the book of 1 Timothy and you look in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul continues to call him my son, my beloved son, my true son. But the reason why Paul says he's my son isn't because he has just some kind of unique affection for him. The reason why he says this is my son is because he's giving this imagery of not just intimacy, but dependability. That you can depend on them. If you look at throughout the scriptures, it says of Timothy that he was sent to Macedonia, that he was sent to Corinth, that he was sent to Philippi, that he was sent to Berea, he was sent all these places. And he says this, he says, you know Timothy. You know he's dependable. And Timothy could do anything. He would do. He was willing to do the dirty work in order to get the ministry done. Sending him all over the place for the work of the ministry, and having him take part in missions. I remember time with uh, Rich when he was our web designer, and. Um, it was, it was good, it was a good season. Rich is very skilled and gifted. And I remember when I asked him to move on from that. And I remember, you know, I think he might have felt the type of way. And um, I remember when I asked him not only to do that, but uh, I kind of removed him, fired, I removed him from that. <laughs> and then I also, uh, I, I, I also asked him to uh, be over city groups when we were just launching them. But then Josh Edney came on board and we started working together and and we had to work through like, well, who can give more time? And so Josh started working on city groups and Rich just led a city group. Then we were gonna plant a campus and then we weren't able to do that campus. And now Rich is over city groups again. But before he was supposed to be over city groups. And now he wasn't. And now he is over city groups. And we were going to do a campus. But now we're not going to do a campus. And here's the one thing I can tell you. Everything I've given him, he has given his all to. He's dependable. He's dependable and when you can depend on someone, what that means is I can send them somewhere and I know they're going to put all of their energy into it. Church, I am repeating a statement I made before, but I say it again to you. Some of you are pushing papers on your job and you are doing small, menial work, and you're doing it half-hearted, you're complaining, you're arguing, and you're waiting for your time. Let me tell you, this your time. This is it. Your time to be faithful is right now. Do it, give it your all now. Be dependable now. Do small things now. And so don't make your time later. Make it now so that when I look back, when the leader over you looks back, they can say, you know, we made a mistake there and I can't believe we had him doing that, oh my God. But you know, they were always dependable. I could give them almost anything. This bleeds into another idea and something worth noting. That the great leader, the man or woman of God, is not only dependable, and they're very reliable, but they are sacrificial leader. Acts 16, verses one through three. It reads this way. Paul came to Derbe, and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish, a believer, but those who, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on a journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived there in that area, for they all knew his father was a Greek. (laughs) Look there in that third verse. Paul wanted to take him on this journey, but they knew about Timothy that his dad was Greek and his mom was Jewish. So because of the cultural issues of that day, Paul told Timothy, here's the deal. We're gonna go to some places that they're gonna wanna know if you're circumcised. Don't ask me how that worked. (laughs) They're gonna wanna check and see. They know your dad was Greek and your voice will be taken away by the way you look. So here's what we gotta do. We're gonna have to circumcise you. And Timothy is a grown man. (laughs) And it says Paul wanted to take him along, so he circumcised him, Paul circumcised him. That's not what I'm preaching about today, the incredible (laughs) friendship they have. And Timothy said, yeah, I'm with it, I'll do it. And do you know what kind of spirit Timothy had? Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Will that get in the way of being effective for Jesus? Well then I'll be circumcised at 22. Whatever it takes. Now." Don't get caught up on the, on, a, on the issue of circumcision. Deepen your mind on sacrificial leadership. On a man or woman of God that says, whatever it takes. If it means staying here all night, whatever it takes. If it means working and burning the midnight oil, whatever it takes, I'll do whatever I need to do so that we can be effective and I will pull the weight And Paul, and this is the amazing thing, this is the beginning of Paul and Timothy's relationship. Paul don't know Timothy. (laughs) Timothy don't even know this man. And they know this religion. And what I'm telling you is it wasn't the relationship that Paul had with Timothy. It was the relationship Timothy had with Jesus. And Timothy was so in love with Jesus that he says whatever it takes, I'll go where Jesus wants me to go. I'll sacrifice whatever he calls me to sacrifice because I'm willing to do it for his name and his fame. Great leaders, great leaders, great leaders, do whatever it takes in order to see Jesus' name go forth. I say that not only to these pastors, but if you're, wherever you're serving at this church, I can tell you this, if we pay you, we don't pay you enough. But the heartbeat of great leadership is sacrificial leadership, of giving your all for his name and his fame. There's something else said about him that I just want you to not miss. He's raised by his mom and other scriptures will say he's been raised up by Eunice and Lois, his grandmother and his mother. There's something powerful about Timothy. It says the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. You gotta understand, he's a Lystra boy So I could understand everybody in Lystra knowing him. That's his home boys, that's the people he grew up with. But the people in Iconium speak well of him as well. And Iconium was a 30 mile journey. That's about a two and a half day trip. That means at that time, that would be like a regional reputation. The people spoke well well of Timothy, the people, the church spoke well of him and his name, Timothy's name, spread. Everybody knew he was a good man. And people were talking about who he was and what kind of man he was. People talk, people talk. People spread your reputation. People who have been under your leadership or around your leadership. People who have been around you and know you. And there is a reputation out about you. And it says of, of Timothy that his reputation was spreading. And it was all good. It is a wonderful thing when the church is able to celebrate with you and know you've got a great name. But here's where I wanna encourage, particularly these two pastors. If you look in the book of 1 Timothy, it reads this way. It says, therefore an overseer must be above reproach. He must be above the moment where someone can say, I saw him doing this or that. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-control, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must be able to manage his household well with all dignity keeping his children submissive. Four. if someone does not know how to manage his own household How will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become pulled up, uh, I'm sorry, puffed up with the conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, moreover, just to restate this, Paul says to Timothy, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into the snare of the devil. If you look in Act 16 and in here, there are four areas he says the church must speak well of you. I ran recon on Omar and Paul uh, and and Rich. I, I had people over and I talked about them behind their back. <laughs> Dolores led with Omar, and I said, Dolores, tell me about him. Om- Spill the beans. What's he like? And she said, he's a man of God. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed serving with him. I believe in him. The people within Rich's Citigroup, under his city group leadership, I pulled them aside, said, shh, shh come on, t- shh, I won't tell nobody, I won't tell. Them. What's he like? I feel like I can be real with him. I feel like I can be honest with him. What people think about you matters. What the people in the church think about you matters. I know someone told you it don't matter what people think, but when you're a leader, it matters what people think. Because when you are a shepherd of the flock of God, sheep are your business, and what they think about you matters. Even the things that are inaccurate, it matters. And so I did a little recon. And I found out their reputation has spread. But if you look in this other passage, there are three other areas. He says in the beginning of that passage that he has to be a man of one wife. And it's really speaking to a single hearted man. A man that has deep affection for his wife. So I did some recon. And I sat down with their wives. And I said, sh- Shh, sh- you could tell me. I ain't gonna tell nobody. What's he really like? Do you know some people are not the same in their home than they are in the church? Oh, okay. Sorry. Make sure we were on the same page. What's he really like? Is he really as gentle as the church says? And both of these women say he's even more. But not only that, not just the wives, the children. Now, God's gotta give us some grace here, praise God, because some kids are. But he says, think about that verse. If you can't manage your own children, how can you manage the household of God? It makes you wonder what God says about the household of God, what he thinks about the household of God. But he says that, how that man of God operates, or woman of God operates with their children. And so I didn't do any recon with the kids. (laughs) But I watched them. I put my little magnifying glass. I saw Rich and Emmy when they first had their baby, and I watched them. I watched them struggle through rearing a child. They got, now, Nancy and Omar have four kids, so I just, I watch them, but I watch them with popcorn like an amazement. Just four kids in like a two bedroom. It's like Survivor up in that piece. It's amazing. What parent hasn't want to lose their mind? What parent doesn't get sick and tired of being sick and tired? And where was I encouraged? I wasn't encouraged just because they were perfect managers. I wasn't encouraged because their kids were perfectly obedient. I was encouraged when we'd come into our Monday meetings and I would hear Rich say, Pastor J- James, pray for me as I lead my kids. As I would talk to Omar, pray for me. As I'm trying to think, what do I do in devotions? Pray for me. I'm trying to lead them, pray for me. And what I heard wasn't perfect leadership, it was broken leadership trying to lead these kids. There's something synonymous about leading kids that can't lead themselves and leading sheep that can't lead themselves. That's why you're called shepherds. You're leading people, people who need a leader. But lastly, he says outsiders, outsiders. When he says outsiders, he means people outside the church that you have not probably had a great deal of time with or if you've had time, had time with them, they're not necessarily under your leadership, outsiders. How you treat the man at the bodega matters. Matters. You know, I think it's important that when men will get away and in those quiet moments, sometimes I'll see a guy in the bathroom and we'll get to talking or something and you know, they won't, won't wanna know who I am. They're like, yeah, what's, what, what's up, how you doing? And then I'll tell them I'm a pastor like, oh, you're the pastor, hello. You know, now I understand <laughs> a bathroom conversation is awkward. I understand that. But what is it like when you treat everyone with a score of 10? When you give everyone the value? I know you give the church value because you're the leader of the church. I know you give your wife value because she's your wife. I know you give your kids value, but can you give the, the, the doorman value? Can you give the janitor value? Can you give people who are on the outside that may not have any influence over you, can you give people value when they're outside the confines of your leadership? I think that speaks just as much to your leadership. Let me say one more thing here. He says, lastly, to teach others. Second Timothy two, one through three. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Notice there, in the middle part, he says, find other people who can teach and pass along to them the things that you have learned. So it's not just enough to be teachable, but you also must find other teachers. Recruit, enlist other men, other women who can teach, who are willing to be sacrificial in their leadership, who are willing to be reliable, willing to be dependable, Find other people. It is not just enough that both Omar and Rich are reliable and dependable. It's that you call other people up to it. It's one thing to lead yourself and call yourself up, but it's a whole other thing to call other people up to sacrifice and to sacrifice greatly. And so in the same way Rich I made you mad sometimes. I frustrated you. In the same way, Omar, I know there was a while you wanted to preach, I didn't even let you. You didn't beg, but I could tell. And I intentionally ignored your desire. Because I wanted to know, is preaching more important than serving? I stiffed arm some of your desires because I wanted to call you into that kind of teaching, real teaching, teaching with your life. I wanted to call you into that. But it's not just enough that you followed. It's enough that you look out to this crowd and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow my sacrifice, follow my purpose, follow my perseverance, Follow me, I'm gonna call you up. And I'm gonna stave off some of your desires. And I'm gonna, I have now an authoritative voice and I'm not gonna give you what you want all the time. I'm gonna lead you and call you into a sacrificial leadership. Look for men and women that are willing to sacrifice. Call them into sacrifice. The Bible says, of you too, that anyone desires this office, desires a noble task. You have a high calling, for you are the clarified voice of God in your neighborhood, in your apartment. And there are other Christians there, but when you say that word pastor, it changes everything. Pastor Rich. Pastor Omar. He says one last thing. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. The word entangled means to get intertwined, to get wrapped up. And my prayer is that as you go along this journey, that you stay single-minded on the work of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to get involved, it's another thing to get entangled. I wanna encourage you to say single-minded and single-hearted. Today we have this wonderful crowd. You remember when it was 30 people? Do you remember the Bible study, Emmy, when no one was here? Remember when it was two people? Remember when no one knew who Bridge was? Remember when nobody was checking us out? Do you remember that? Hold on to that. Don't hold on to this. Because in that moment, I had to be a soldier for Jesus. I had to come in here and do Bible study by myself. Stay single-minded. I remember when you had to raise support and you didn't have enough money and we as a leadership staff barely believed that you could raise that money and I saw you because you live next to me. I saw you every day go in that basement and raise that money and you were single-minded. And the single-mindedness that it takes to get into this position is the single-mindedness that will keep you in this position. It is the single-mindedness that will keep you healthy because this is about Jesus. And the Bible says that one day we will be around our Savior, And it says, we'll cast down our crowns and we'll throw down our titles and it will always be about Jesus because it was about him when you became knowing him and it was about here when you moved here. Always make it about him. When people say things that aren't true about you, when you have to sacrifice even more, when you've got to call people up, always make it about him because you will become afraid. I said this to you in the back, and I say this to you one more time as I pray. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter six that Satan has schemes, schemes. And that Greek word for schemes is the word methodia. It means like methodology. And the Bible also says that Satan prowls around the saints. And so what we learn is that the evil one in this battle has a playbook for you. He's got a method and a strategy to distract you and discourage you. And I encourage you to stay single-minded in your fight. For those of you that have been baptized today and you've made your declaration and your proclamation of Jesus Christ, let me remind you as well that Satan has a strategy for you too. He's got a playbook for you. He's got a method. He's got an old boyfriend ready to call back tomorrow. He's got a boss whose their job description is to work your nerves. Ready to jump on you tomorrow. He's got discouragement around the corner, distraction around the road, some false desire waiting on you. And I say that not just to them, I say it to you. Stay single-minded on Jesus. Don't forget the words you said. When you feel that you are not worthy to be in this room on a Sunday, call that a lie. Call it a lie. And remind yourself. You are no different than these men. Those who have been baptized and those who are being called up into pastoral ministry, there is no difference. It is the grace of God that called you into baptism, it is the grace of God that calls them into the pastorate, but it is the grace of God that covers all of our lives. Never let your sin distract you so much that you circumvent the church of Jesus Christ. Keep coming back, keep coming back. Rich and Emmy, Omar and Nancy, would you stand with me? Just yourselves, just stand. Heavenly Father, this moment is a moment I pray they remember. I pray they remember each person that was baptized. I pray they remember all these scriptures here mentioned of how Paul was raising up Timothy. I pray they remember. And as they have moments of doubt, and they have all these different distractions that could come their way, God, I pray that they would Rest in the work of Jesus. Rest in the grace of God. Rest. And continue their pursuit of knowing you, of knowing you and making you known. Gracious God, gracious God, give them freedom in ministry. For those who have been baptized, give them the freedom of knowing. Today was a day that they pronounced to the world, they crossed a line. God, I pray for freedom, freedom in leadership and freedom to live. God, let them write this down in a book and remember what this day was like for it is a day that you have made. From when Rich and Omar were in the womb, you planned today all their experiences, all their different circumstances, you've shaped it up to today. The wife they have, the children they've had, you've shaped them for a moment like today. God, thank you for the road that they've traveled. We pray, Heavenly Father, we pray, Holy Spirit, that they would celebrate the road they've been on and celebrate this moment. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.